Don't mind me, just sneaking out to go to Kohl's. The home deals right now, they're too good to pass up. Like up to 40% off Cuddle Dead's bedding, up to 50% off the cutest fall decor, and up to 25% off Ninja Kitchen appliances. How can I resist? You can even get 15% off or 15, 20, or 30% off with a Kohl's card. So yeah, I'm going all in for fall and I can't even wait. Select styles, offers end October 17th. Some exclusions apply. See store.com for details. You know I'm right. Nick Durst here with Joe Calabrese. And Joe, we have a special guest on today. And, you know, I don't even know if I have enough fingers to count how many jobs he has. He's just all over the place. I respect the grind. That's what you and I are trying to do to make it happen here. Yeah, absolutely. He's a update anchor, does some play-by-play, hosts Nightcap on uh, Sirius XM on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Uh, we're going to get to Mad Dog in, in a little while. You know, We'll ask him some good questions. Uh, he joined Sirius in 2009. He's joining us now. Very, very excited to have him on. Uh, I know you're excited to have him on. Nick, you're a huge Giants fan, so we'll get to talk about that as well. Uh, Mr. Lance Meadow. Lance, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well, guys. Thanks for uh, having me on. Appreciate it. And love the introduction. Thanks so much. I'm glad you were able to fit all that stuff into uh, about 20 or 30 seconds. That was a good job out of you. Thank you. We we did our best, but now we got the whole rest of the show to get through it. So uh, we'll we'll expand and, uh, you know, we'll start, you know, right, right at the beginning here. When did you know that you wanted to pursue a career in, in broadcasting? Was it in high school? Was it when you went to NYU and were there in college? Or was it something you knew since, since, your, since childhood you wanted to pursue this path? I think it goes back to childhood. I always had a love for sports. Basketball was always my first love. And I grew up on that sport playing it, more so than thinking about broadcasting. But when you realize that there's not a lot of Muggsy is running around <laughs> in the NBA – You then start to come to the realization, well, maybe the next best thing is to be associated with the game through the broadcasting lens. And then I think when it really started to come to fruition or become something serious that I wanted to pursue was probably in the early stages of high school, to answer your question. And coincidentally, the New York Liberty, they were running a contest for a kid beat reporter. This was when I was a freshman in high school, if my memory is accurate. And I had to go down to the local mall right in Brooklyn, New York, Kings Plaza. I don't know if you guys are familiar nice, with that. Of course. Yeah. yeah, they were running a contest there to get up in front of a few judges and you know give a mock report. And I won the contest and I was able to cover a few Liberty games that summer. I believe it was between maybe my freshman and sophomore years in high school. And I think that's when I started to realize, hey, this is something that I could actually turn into a profession. And internships came after that. And I think the passion grew from that. But I've always had a love for sports. That was never the issue. The issue was how could you take sports and make it into something on a professional level if you're not playing? And I think that was probably the turning point now that I look back on things. No doubt about it. What was your first internship? First internship was with a company, which was a business TV operation. And funny story, my dad has had Nick season tickets for my entire life. So I grew up going to the garden, watching games. And there was an individual that had season tickets next to us. So like anything else, when you're in the vicinity of fellow season ticket holders, and this individual ran sort of a business TV operation. So this was an internship I did in high school where, you know, he said, hey, why don't you spend the summer with us? You'll see we do business TV reports and Wall Street and so forth. And I thought that would be a way in to see the TV operation and so forth. So, yeah, that was my very first internship, which happened in high school. And then once I went to college, when it's a little bit easier to obtain them because of credits and so forth, boy, I was ultra aggressive because the name of the game, as you guys will realize, is you got to network and you got to meet and greet as many people as possible. So I worked at all of the local TV affiliates here in New York City, WCBS, NBC, ABC. I did a summer with the Brooklyn Cyclones, which is right by where I grew up. And I also worked at various radio stations too. So I I tried to get as much hands-on experience as humanly possible. But the first taste was that business TV. 
Yeah, as someone who also spent the summer with the Cyclones, I did their uh, their weekly YouTube show. Great place to go. Shout out to Gary Perone, who was uh, the assistant general manager there and excellent facility there. And now uh, Cyclones are going to be high A. They're going to be having a I saw full that, season. Yeah. So it should be pretty cool to, to see the stars of tomorrow out there. I'm sure it'll be a go-to rehab facility as well. So that's that's something to look forward to. But, you know, you're, spe- you're speaking about Brooklyn – you're a Brooklyn guy, so we got to ask you, what is your take on L and B? Wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to go down this road. Well, anything associated with Brooklyn to me is king. So you could throw out any food you want or any establishment that is associated with the borough of Brooklyn, and I will be all for it. Am I a huge? square pizza guy is that what maybe you're trying to get out of me i wouldn't say that i'd put that at the top of my list but i do think that it is quality i will i think, I think the spony isis from there are outstanding absolutely though. no doubt about it and i, I, can- I have a, a question for you uh i'm a huge pizza guy i love lnb uh but uh, my favorite spots are obviously defars everybody loves defars defars is the, the mecca probably one of the best places in the entire city to go and I like Grimaldi's. I like Grimaldi's right under the Brooklyn Bridge. I love that place. I love the vibe. No parking, there. though. It's all that pizza. <laughs> I think it's a really underrated spot. No, I'm with you. I mean, I've been to all those places. I have no complaints. I mean, I'm a pizza lover. So you Who combine Brooklyn and pizza. <laughs> you're not really going to get me to complain about much of anything. And you brought up L&B's. I, I can't tell you. I probably had at least two or three birthday parties there during the course of my childhood. So once again, to each your own. But am I a big square pizza guy? No, I wouldn't put that at the top of my list. I like the conventional regular pizza, but you can't go wrong with the ices and the pizza there. So it gets my full seal of approval from that standpoint. All right, well, let's move on away from pizza. Uh, when it comes to sandwiches and other stuff like that, are you a rolling roaster guy or are you a Brennan and Carr guy? Oh, I'm a rolling roaster guy. I yes. grew up not that far from rolling roaster. So, and I can't tell you, you know, now you really guys are getting me hungry here because I haven't <laughs> been there in quite some time. And then the whole coronavirus thing and so forth. But yes, rolling roaster by a landslide. It's not even close. Yeah, I lo- love rolling roaster. My dad worked there growing up. And then I used to go to softball games. We'd go there every time after. Delicious. You can't beat it. But Sticking with Brooklyn, we'll transition out of food here. Sorry, Lance, I don't want to make no, you No, no worries. Listen, I love reminiscing. <laughs> this is great. I don't have these conversations very often, so I'm all for it. We're going to continue reminiscing now. We're sticking with Brooklyn. We are fresh out of college. You got your, your degree, your bachelor's in broadcast journalism. And at the time, there's an ABA basketball team, the Brooklyn Wanderers and Comets, playing in Brooklyn. Where were their games played, and how did you get the opportunity to become the radio voice for that team? And I'm sure you also did some things uh, on the digital side of things with the website, perhaps, because at that time, I think probably in the mid 2000s is when a lot of teams started placing some attention towards websites. Yeah, it was in the infancy, to your point. So there really wasn't a lot of digital work at that point. But you're right. It was starting to grow. The league as a whole was tapping into that. They played their games at Kingsborough Community College. That's where their games were played. So we had the games on the Kingsborough Community College radio station, which actually has a a pretty strong frequency, at least within the confines of Brooklyn, New York. As far as how it came about, like anything else, out of college, hungry to do something. And I noticed that, okay, the ABA is expanding into New York City. There's going to have to be a presence in Brooklyn. That's my bread and butter. It's my backyard. Why not try to seek out an opportunity? And I reached out to ownership and they obviously had an interest to put the games on the Kingsborough radio station. And pretty much one thing led to another. It's funny you brought that up because even though that was one of my first gigs, it was also a very memorable experience because ownership changed mid-season because of financial issues and the original owner was being investigated by the FBI. So, I mean, I got stories till you'd be blue in the face to tell you. So Elton Brand's family took over ownership of the team midway into the season. We continued the broadcast. We were no longer at Kingsborough, they were using another facility. It was then internet broadcast, but that was a wild experience in terms of seeing how a team is run at the very, very low levels and also getting my feet wet in terms of professional broadcasting experience. Yeah, I think it's uh, obviously great. Yeah, everybody gets their start and most people 
uh, start start lower and you work your way up what you have. So, and I really respect your hustle. Uh, I saw that you, you know, simultaneously then during this, you are doing some work for MTV. They used to have, and this is, I think, a perfect example of, you know, you never say no. They were doing all different things like celebrity soccer, rock, paper, scissors, all these college things. So uh, again, like how did that opportunity come about? And what, were your thought, what was your thought process when they're saying, all right, you're going to go cover rock, paper, scissors. How'd you study up on that? Well, the MTV connection came about through NYU because what had happened is at NYU, I was hosting sports talk shows on WNYU, calling play-by-play for men's and women's basketball. And MTV clearly has a presence right in Times Square. And at the time, they were looking to do something with students and March Madness and have a show where they would have students that were into sports and passionate about sports commentate on what was going on in the NCAA tournament. So they contacted WNYU and a few of us who were associated with the radio station, we did about a three-week show all throughout the course of the tournament. And that's how the in at MTV begins. And then after that, I stayed in contact with some of the producers and the executives and One of the executives really liked my work. And once I was out of school, they started to utilize me for special events. So what you brought up, Rock, Paper, Scissors, was an event where I went down to spring break in Florida. They got a platform in the middle of the beach. I've got a (laughs) bunch of nuts all around me. Oh, my gosh. Those spring break shows are wild. I can't believe you were down there. Insane. Insane. And I went down to Florida. I flew down to Florida twice because we did it throughout two different weeks of spring break, because as you know, in the college academic calendar, spring breaks vary depending on what school you go to. So I went down once and then I went back to New York to do other work and then came back to Florida, but it was a wild adventure. It was fun. I had a blast. And then we did some additional VOs once I returned to New York. But as far as how you study for something like that, no different than any other sport that you may not have familiarity, you do research. And you also speak to the producers in terms of what they're looking for. The good news about that was it was also a comedic play-by-play slash commentary. So I like that because, you know, it enabled me to show my sense of humor and that side of things. And then the celebrity soccer tournament was associated with similar people. And that was more of a conventional sports broadcast. And Pitbull performed live after it so he came on yeah. during the broadcast carlos uh, mencia the wild. comedian pitbull yeah. in his infancies because there isn't there isn't a an event pitbull hasn't sung out and to think that he was <laughs> singing it from tv back then that's awesome yeah it was uh, once again a, a very unique experience so it expanded my horizons and you know when you brought up the fact well when do you walk the line of when you say no versus yes I always keep an open mind because my feeling is versatility is important. You could show somebody that you could do a little bit of everything. Then you never know when a future opportunity is going to come up. Maybe somebody has a soccer broadcast five years from now and they realize, Hey, I've called a soccer game here or there. It may not be a, a lot of volume, but I've at least been exposed to it. So like when you have weird opportunities, rare opportunities, I think that are offered to you. I think sometimes you got to think through that lens. It may not wow you now, but down the road, it could come out to be extremely beneficial. Yeah, that's really good advice. Uh, most guests that Nick and I have had on recently, one of their best pieces of advice has been uh, be versatile, uh, say yes to everything, be open to everything. Obviously, that's worked to your benefit. Uh, one quick question, though. You spent quite a few uh, years at MTV. What was your favorite show? Do you have a favorite wow. show? Do you have a favorite show then? Do you still watch it now? Because I know Nick's favorite show. <laughs> that's that's my guy. I know his favorite show. I'm curious about what yours is. MTV. What did I watch? Wow. Real world guy, Lance? I wasn't a huge real world guy. Familiar with the show. Can't say I tuned in that religiously. To answer your question, I don't watch MTV now. No, we're so far removed from when you actually <laughs> tuned in to watch music videos. I mean, <laughs> right. I, I was at my infancy during that time. It seems like it's been decades since MTV actually showed music videos, which yeah, is what it was supposed to be. Huge guy. Huge yes. Synonymous with that. Now, I could be wrong, guys. You'd have to correct me. I don't know if this was on VH1 or MTV. I did watch a little Beavis and Butthead. I don't I remember. that was MTV. That was MTV? Okay. So that would probably be something that would come to mind when I was a kid. Watch a little Beavis and Butthead. Awesome. So 
you know, during this your five year period there, you're getting all these other other games. Wait, hold on. Are you going to reveal to me what Nick's favorite show is? Well, that oh, was a teaser, oh. and then you just brushed over that. <laughs> well, the challenge is a, it's a combination of uh, the real world and, and road rules, right, over a period of okay. seasons. Now, I don't know how many seasons there are. He's, he's more Bigger up to like 28. So I like the challenge. I know, you know, those guys are always big at the spring break shows down there on the stage. Uh, and, I mean, how do, you, how do you not like Jersey Shore? I mean, that's uh... – Of course, I mean <laughs> – <laughs> How do you not love Jersey Shore? I mean, that's, if that's not must-see television, I don't know what is. <laughs> those are my, those that are my favorite shows. My favorite show was Celebrity Deathmatch. Celebrity Deathmatch. That's Match another good really one good. too. I did watch that. That's a good one, Joe. I didn't. I should have mentioned that. That is a good one. I did watch plenty of that. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, Celebrity Deathmatch is awesome. Uh, so then, you're during this time on MTV. Obviously, you're working a bunch of gigs. So. We'll go through some of these here. You're doing high school basketball. And then during that time period, I guess since you're doing basketball, it helped you uh, get the role with, with Columbia Athletics as well. Talk to us about that time period there doing high school and then college sports. Yeah, Columbia was one of my very first opportunities. I actually got that pretty much out of college. I was working at MLB.com and play-by-play has always been my number one passion. And I had a contact at Columbia and they were just branching in. This was 2006, the fall of 2006, Columbia. And now most schools have followed where they were taking the production in house. They were looking to do their own internet broadcast or their own radio broadcast. Normally a lot of these schools, you know, they leave it to the student radio stations and they're like, Hey, they'll cover it. We're not going to worry about it. So Columbia was looking to bring on more of a professional feel and, they were looking for men's and women's basketball, football, and it was perfect timing where I got out of school that the door opened to start as the women's play-by-play announcer, do updates during football broadcast. Uh, Jerry Recco was the men's basketball play-by-play announcer and the football play-by-play announcer, so I worked very closely with him and little by little, you know, filled in for men's games and so forth, and you know, now obviously have taken over as the main men's basketball and, and football announcer. So that was something that came right out of college, went from calling NYU to calling Columbia. I guess my goal was to conquer the entire New York City basketball market. <laughs> if that was my goal, perhaps I accomplished that relatively early in my career. As far as the high school basketball network is concerned, here's where, you know, you never know who's going to reach out to you and who's going to contact you. A gentleman who lived in Queens, had a son that was playing high school basketball and was trying to develop a concept how can we broadcast high school basketball games, put them on the internet? So if you're a high school basketball player and ESPN wasn't broadcasting a lot of games at this point, how can you show highlights to potential college coaches or how can you make it easier for college coaches to scout you? Which I thought was a very interesting concept and intriguing. And he wanted to do local broadcast where he made a deal with a production company and they would come down and set up mics and I'd have a color commentator, a low profile, nothing crazy. We're not talking about 17 cameras, maybe three cameras and a TriCaster. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that or your viewers or listeners and the technology, a TriCaster is now very popular. I mean, there are major broadcasts that are running out of that, which just goes to show you how far the technology has come. And, and we would do public school athletic games. You know, I went to Lincoln High School in Brooklyn, New York. So I, I called some games back in my old high school. We'd go out to Long Island. All the local areas, we'd pick like a high school game of the week and put it up on the internet. And it was very interesting. And then when I eventually joined Sirius XM and the internet phase maybe wore down or it became popular, there were other individuals and production people that were involved in it, he... I had him connect with Sirius, and for a few years, we did the McDonald's All-American game. We did the play-by-play radio national broadcast of that and some other notable high school games, the Jordan Brand Classic, which was at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. We did a national radio broadcast on Sirius XM. So something that started off as an innocent concept grew little by little, and I was involved in that for many years. So, yeah, I was very thankful for that, combined with Columbia, allowed me to stay consistent on the play-by-play front, at least – for basketball yeah yes, I re- you were ahead of the curve big time 
Very big. Absolutely. Yeah, high, high school sports is, is huge now. There's a lot of platforms popped up, but you know, thinking of yeah. TriCast, I can relate. I do some work with the College of Staten Island. I do their, uh, their, their sporty events and I do camera operation. I do the engineering and I do color commentary or play by play all at the same time. So I, I love that <laughs> small feel and it's just absolutely incredible. Um, I want to shout out the uh, head athletic uh, doctor for Columbia. Dr. Bill Levine, my cousin, great guy, knows his stuff. Wow. And shout out to Jerry Rucco. Shout out to Jerry Rucco, who was on our <laughs> show. And I used to intern with him back in the day at WFAN. So it, it's it, it's crazy, Lance. We keep having guests on. Everyone is connected somehow, some way, which is it's it's just totally awesome. And I really, really appreciate you know everybody taking their time to come with us. Always. You mentioned MLB. So I think that that to me seemed must have seemed like a pretty cool job. And again, this is where you know, MLB is making their focus on MLB.com and you were able to do some voiceover highlights there, but tell us about that experience. Yeah, that was another opportunity that came right out of college. MLB.com and Columbia were my two gigs simultaneously where I had regular work right out of school. Very fortunate. I was able to stay in New York. And here's another example of networking. My professor at NYU, the late, great Michael Ludlam, who was very well known in the New York City radio scene. He unfortunately passed away a few years ago, but extremely influential on my career to have him as a professor. He taught radio courses, TV courses at NYU, an individual that was extremely passionate about the industry and always looked for his students to succeed. So I have to at least mention him and give credit to him. And he had a former student of his that was working at MLB.com on the production side. And Nick, you, you summed it up beautifully in terms of, you're right, we were at the very early stages at that point compared to where MLB has grown. And now, to my knowledge, MLB.com doesn't have a presence anymore at our Chelsea, New York City studios. They've moved everything out to Secaucus. to Secaucus. Yeah. Joe, Joe does highlights for MLB.com. Okay. Right, so you know so better than I do. So there I do. you go. Yeah, but I mean, I could tell you when I started there, we had a big presence, New York City, Chelsea Market, right in the heart of Manhattan. Yeah. And you know, they had a whole newsroom with computers, lines of editors, cutting yes. highlights. And I, I would voice highlights for all games. I mean, I would do shifts. We'd be up till 3 a.m. I wouldn't leave because, you know, the West Coast games, they, they don't slow down for us and, and so forth. So, oh. yeah, did, <laughs> did VO, yeah, for the highlights. I'm sure that's something you could attest to, Joe. And I hosted shows, the highlight shows, which were up on MLB.com. I did radio shows there. Did a little bit of everything. Uh, Jack of all trades, on-air talent at MLB.com. And I was there for a number of years. I want to say I was there from 06, like I said, the first season, right when I got out of college. And I was with them pretty much till I became full-time at Sirius. So I think 2011. And grinding it out every single summer, long hours, all nights, and doing a variety of things. But yeah, that was a big opportunity to be associated with a professional sports league right out of college and get my feet wet. Absolutely. That, that was a huge opportunity. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I can imagine like how exciting it is growing up a big sports fan and, you know, right out of college, you're working for major league baseball. I mean, and you're doing, you're doing on air work, which is absolutely incredible. And we'll get, we're going to get to, to serious here, but you had that stop. You had to stop. You were there for a number of years with sports center and you were doing the update, the updates, the anchoring sports center anchoring, what was that experience like? How did you, again, get that opportunity? And then what are some of the shows you, you, worked, uh, you worked on as the update anchor? Yeah, I did stuff up in Bristol, Connecticut for ESPN. I was really used as a freelance anchor where it would be holiday shifts or where some of the regulars took off. They would turn to me to come in. I want to say I worked a variety of shows. I mean, to tell you there was one main show in particular I think would be misleading. I can't even tell you who the hosts were at the time because it was so varied. But as far as how the opportunity came about, sent a demo nice. to the necessary people at ESPN. And fortunately, it caught their attention, got a, a phone call back, went up, did a few demos. And then they started to utilize me on a regular basis on the holidays is just another way to get involved in a major network. And I mean, just to see the setup there in Bristol was unreal. I mean, the campus feel and how they got a different building for every different entity of that operation. And yeah, it was an opportunity to you know, be involved with sports talk shows, learn how to structure an update, 
be exposed to different technology in terms of incorporating sound, which is stuff that then I would be exposed to later on in other walks of life. And uh, just uh, another attractive piece to put on the resume. That's how I looked at it at. I mean, it's certainly not fun commuting from New York City to Bristol, Connecticut. I will tell you that. I don't know if you guys have been up there or you speak to individuals. You can understand people who work there regularly, they live in that area for a reason because you do not want to have to make that commute every other day or whatever. Imagine it's not like a three hour drive each way or something. Oh yes, absolutely. But I think, I think that helped you. Uh, You know, I'm I'm here just looking at your, your background, but you're doing updates there. Did that help you get into the door with Westwood one radio network, knowing that they know you already have the update experience. I want to say in terms of the time frame, I believe I was already at Westwood one Nick before I actually started doing sports center updates. And Westwood One, it was a very similar matter. Sent a demo, and from there, things branched out. Because my first opportunity at Westwood One, the reason why, if I'm having everything in the perfect timeline, it's hard to remember all the details, given there's been so much to your point. But my first opportunity at Westwood One, if memory serves me correct, was the 2008 Summer Olympics, where I was doing updates for all of the national broadcasts for Westwood One. And I want to say that, the first opportunity at ESPN may have been earlier that year or may have been after that summer. One way or another, they were very much in close communication with one another. So I don't know if I would say one led to another. I think it was just a matter of whatever I was working with on my demo at that time right. caught the attention of both entities. And I, from, you know, just as a listener, it seems like and recently you've done some more sports, but it seems like you always done a lot of uh, college basketball with Westwood One. Is that something where they for like, hey, you know, we see you're doing great stuff with Columbia. Would you like to give this a try with some other teams? Yeah, it was absolutely a combination of that. The individual certainly knew that I had been doing play by play for other places, but it was also my aggressiveness and, you know, dangling the carrot out there. Hey, guys, you know, I do play by play. Remember me? You know, you could use me for something else. And and that's why I, I can't speak highly enough of Westwood One and Howie Denneroff, who runs the operation, a tremendous influence on my career and a guy who's opened up so many doors because he does a great job in grooming talent. And when he sees something in you, he's not going to shy away from giving you a golden opportunity. So, yeah, to answer your question, it went from doing updates in the Summer Olympics to then hosting in the studio, which I still do, and then showing, okay, you can use me from a play-by-play standpoint. So, yeah, I think it was part of them seeing stuff in me in addition to my aggressiveness. Awesome. So then, I guess, simultaneously, as you're you know, starting off with Westwood One, you get a great job. I don't know if you were you know, a big football fan or whatnot growing up or a Giants fan, but the Giants, <laughs> they hire you uh, with WFIN to – you know, do their pre-game, post-game, halftime show. You're also working on Big Blue Kickoff, which is, you know, the Giants daily week- weekday show. You're doing call-in shows again for, for the website. You know, Giants are going like all in here with the digital media. So they're just like, you know, Lance, he's a great talent. We'll just let him do everything under, under, <laughs> under the moon here, which I think is awesome. But how did that Giants opportunity come about? Obviously, you're still there. It's been a, a great match and, you know, How much have you enjoyed this particular role? Yeah, it's been fantastic uh, working for the Giants for all these years. That opportunity also started in 2008. And similar to Westwood One, Nick, it's interesting when you, you know, break down everything I've done. It's a very similar evolution, I would say, with the Giants because I was initially brought in. They were looking to branch out digitally, as you just alluded to, and they wanted to have a presence on their website while games were going on, meaning they were going to stream the play-by-play, but they couldn't stream commercials. So they wanted somebody to come in in between the commercial breaks of the game, provide analysis, and also do a pregame and a postgame. So I did that for a number of seasons, and that's how I got my foot in the door starting in 2008. Then 2013, by that time, Big Blue Kickoff Live started, And I was regularly doing a call-in show. I believe that started in 2010 or 11. And then 13, the opportunity for working on the WFAN Giants Radio Network presented itself. And like anything else, you know, always dangling the carrot out there. Hey, I'm willing to grow. If you need me for something, always willing to do more. 
And yeah, since 2013, I've been in that spot and that role has evolved. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com. In terms of how we structure our pregame, our halftime, and our postgame shows, the individuals that I've worked with has also altered and changed here or there, but it's been a great ride to be associated with an NFL team, to be able to cover one of the most popular professional sports. And so once again, I can't stress this enough, to be able to stay in the market that I grew up. Right has been extremely important to me. I don't take it for granted. I don't take it lightly, okay? I was born and bred in Brooklyn, New York, as I mentioned here, guys. Not to say that I'm never open to leaving, but there's a connection here unlike any other place. And I know this market better than any other place. And the fact that I've been able to grow and mature as a broadcaster within this market means an absolute lot for me because I have family, I have friends, and you know, to be uprooted in this industry, sometimes you have to do that, especially if that could lead to something else later on in life. And you know, that to me has been something that's been extremely fortunate, and I don't take that lightly at all. Absolutely. That leads really well into my next point. Uh, when you were doing all this work simultaneously for ESPN, for Westwood One, for the New York Giants, you were still in your 20s, right? You were still trying to find yourself a little bit uh, they say your 20s are hard. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Uh, but Nick and I are very much in a similar spot right now in, in our lives, in our careers. Uh, my co-producer and one of my great pals over there, he just got married last year. Uh, his one-year wedding anniversary came up. So, uh, you know, shout out to him. But my question is... Yeah, let's shout out on my I, own show. I never, never thought <laughs> I'd get that. <laughs> uh, as you were doing all of this, you were doing a lot... A bunch of traveling. I'm sure you had to drive around. I don't know if you were living in the same spot. From from a life perspective, how hard is how hard was it for you to juggle all of this? And what do you think was the hardest thing uh, that you had to to bear the responsibility of? You know, as you were doing all this. Oh, it's a great question, Joe. I'd say that it's part of my work ethic that maybe is the one thing that's most troubling because I'm always on the grind, I'm always hungry. I've just always been an extremely motivated individual. So I would say the toughest challenge for me, and it still stands to this day, is finding a way to remove myself from work and balancing a social life with the yearning for having that void in the professional mold, you know, full and filled on a consistent basis. And I don't have the right answer or great advice to tell everybody because it's something I still struggle with. Because when you're not doing something, you're always thinking about the next thing, right? That you could be going after. Or when you're not doing something, somebody else out there is trying to grab your gig. So what can you do to make sure that you protect yourself? It's something I struggle with every day. I'll be wholeheartedly honest with you. So I would say that has been by far the biggest professional challenge. It's not handling the work. Because if you love the work and you're passionate about it, it doesn't always feel like work. It just feels like you're combining your love for something with doing work. I would say the biggest challenge for me is when do you learn to take a step back? When do you learn to digest everything and it's okay to not be working 24-7? So, you know, like I'll give you an example. Everybody needs an out or an outlet to, you know, just take their minds off of something. Sometimes I don't want to sit down and watch a sports game, okay? Mm -hmm. I I like taking a step back. So, you know, I'm very passionate about film and I watch a lot of movies and and that's something on the side that's unrelated to sports that, you know, I like for two hours 
I don't have to think about anything sports related. I don't want to analyze a game. I don't want to prepare a play-by-play chart. I just want to have time for myself and so forth. So I hope that answered your question, Joe. I don't know if that was on point, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't really so much the challenge of balancing the work, especially if you're regimented and you have a schedule. And listen, there's some weeks where you've got a football broadcast that I got to prepare for. I got two play-by-play games. I got a Columbia football game, a Columbia basketball game. I mean, it makes your head spin. But once again, you learn as you go through the week, okay, Monday, I got to take care of this. Tuesday, I got to take care of that. So, I mean, to me, once again, it's more of balancing life with work. That, I think, has been by far the biggest challenge, especially when you work for various different outlets. Yeah, if you're, if you're a movie fan, you got to check out the Cinephile Pod podcast with Adnan Verk. He used to be at ESPN. Okay. He, he's now at LB Network and DAZN, but... That's a, that's a crazy, I think you'd like that just because he's a sports guy and he loves his movies as well, but good recommendation there for you. I but, will check that out. Yeah. Uh, I think you're talking about like adjustments and, you know, really taking things day by day. Uh, if I'm not mistaken with the Giants, you know, radio stuff with pregame, postgame for road games, we're usually in the, the Hudson street studio at WFN and at home games, you were broadcasting from right outside the stadium. Is that correct? And how has that changed due to, due to COVID-19? Correct. For regular life operating, we were outside on the stage, right outside MetLife Stadium for our pregame. And then I would work out of the broadcast booth for halftime and postgame. So for every home game, always at MetLife Stadium. And then for all road games, I was always operating out of WFAN studios. As far as how things have changed for this season, well, I have yet to be at the MetLife Stadium at all because everybody really needs to be separate. Everybody can't be on top of one another. So I have been all alone in the WFAN studios for each and every one of our Giants broadcasts this season. And I've made the best of it. I have no problem because, you know, we've been doing all the road games out of that. And it's comfortable from my standpoint because, you know, as really the point guard of the operation, which to me is the best parallel. And, you know, I'm kicking it out to 75 different individuals it seems right. at times. Communication is important. So the fact that I have my producer with me, on the opposite side of the glass, we could visually see each other. We could communicate in my ear. That to me is important. So even though everybody's had to make adjustments, I'm very thankful with this setup because I think it's made my life a lot easier and it's kept things as smooth as possible. Yeah. I think the, the crew is, is just awesome. Uh, when I was an intern at WFAN, one time I had the honor of bringing Jeff Fiegel's his Chinese food for lunch in the middle of wow. the show. So that was, that was pretty big for me as a big <laughs> Giants fan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Paul Dottino is just awesome. I think, I think if you slice this guy open, it'd be blue blood coming out because he's just all about the Giants all the time, Lance. But how is, how is it working primarily with those two, but the whole crew overall, of course, Bob Pop and, and Carl Banks as well. Yeah, a great group overall. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Jeff, I clearly have worked extremely closely with since 2013 because he was my main co-host when I took over as the Giants pre-half and post-game host. And I've loved working with Jeff. Such an easy guy to get along with, uh, passionate about football, and, you know, is always looking to give to his fellow co-hosts. So I I respect the hell out of Jeff. Love working with him. That's been an absolute pleasure. And Paul is a very unique individual, as you uh, hinted at, Nick. I mean, I don't know how much to put it in a, a different way. I mean, you said awesome. I'd say that's one way to put it. I wholeheartedly agree with your synopsis. I, I think if we did cut Paul Dottino up in pieces, he'd still find a way to put himself back together, by the way. But yeah, he would absolutely bleed out blue. You know, I talked about trying to balance life and work. Try figuring out how he does that outside of the Giants, because I know that if he's not watching film or he's not thinking about something big blue, I can't even tell you what he would occupy his mind with. So all I'm thankful for is I'm thankful that there was an NFL season this year, knock on wood, because if he did not have an NFL football outlet, I don't know where he would be from a mental standpoint, as you brought up that topic. And the fact that you opened that door, I had to at least say that. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's right. Uh, I actually, I was working the, uh, the first XFL Guardians game and I saw him there. I, I was shocked he was there. I guess he was just, he missed MetLife Stadium. So we got in there. I know he does, he does or he has done some, Northeast Conference college basketball as well. But uh, we're actually going to have Paul on our show in a, in a few weeks. So 
we're gonna, wow. we're gonna we'll let them know your your synopsis of him and see. Yeah, if he just agrees. mentally <laughs> prepare yourselves, guys. Okay, don't tell me that you haven't been warned by Lance Meadow here before you get ready for that. Okay, you got to be Absolutely. in a very good mental place for that conversation because that could go just about anywhere. Uh, speaking of getting mentally prepared, you go to SiriusXM. So before we even talk about your career there, I got to know, did you ever meet the Mad Dog? And what was that like? Absolutely. Oh, I did updates on Chris's show for a number of years. I've had many interactions with him. I mean, Chris is a great guy. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, he's got his shtick. He's got his persona, as people who grew up in New York City know. But And not to say that he's a bad guy on air either. But when the mic shuts down, Chris is, I mean, such a, a warm individual. The best example I could give you when the coronavirus obviously wasn't plaguing our entire country, normally he would take out the entire Mad Dog Sports radio staff around this time of the year. We'd have a holiday dinner and uh, we'd go out right around the Sirius studios. And I mean, it would be on him. So, I mean, the guy's got a tremendously deep heart. Uh, any conversation interaction that I've ever had has been pleasant. He's been very giving in terms of his time and his advice. So yeah, I have had no bad interactions whatsoever. It's been a pleasure to know Chris. It's been a pleasure to interact with him. And once again, he's a very unique individual on and off the air. There's no doubt about it. He, he's old school. He still reads his newspaper. So I give him a lot yep. of credit for that. God forbid he embraces technology would be like pulling teeth. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, the mad dog in a nutshell, essentially. Yeah. Love watched him at High Heat and LB Network as well. That was one of their, their best hires. Un- unbelievable energy off the off the off the charts, but I want to know, how did you get started there with the network? And at that time when you started, was Mad Dog still the, the head of the station? Was he the one doing the interviews at that time? And now also like fast forward now, 12, 12 years later, you're basically bouncing around doing all these different shows. How do you, you know, mentally prepare when it's like, all right, Monday, you might be doing this. Tuesday, you're doing something else. Wednesday, you're doing this. One day, you're doing mornings. One day, you're doing nights. How do you, you know, get put your game face on and get in the zone when you're going into battle? Yeah, you got to remain flexible, number one, based on what you just laid out. And you got to keep up on just about every sport because you never know where the conversation is going to go. On Mad Dog Sports Radio, it's an all-sports station. So I can talk about anything. I can talk about baseball, football, basketball, college, you name it. And then when I'm doing NFL shows, now I'm just zoned in on the National Football League. So I think staying on top of all sports, getting a feel for the major headlines and storylines, that is probably the most important thing. And I mean, as far as the schedule is concerned, it's no different than what I've been doing my entire professional career. Staying ready, being flexible, knowing one day you work in the evening, another day you work in the morning. So I don't know if that necessarily has been a huge adjustment from that standpoint. As far as coming in, I came in really when Mad Dog Sports Radio was just about beginning. The station started in 2009, if I have my calendar accurately, and I came in right around the summer. So I want to say the station was operational for seven, eight months by then. And the way that I came into Sirius was I met Steve Torrey, who is the program director of the channel and still operates in that role. We worked together at Westwood One. We were both covering the Summer Olympics. So that was my first interaction with Steve. And when then he joined Sirius with Chris and they started out on Mad Dog Sports Radio, that channel in 09, because we had an established relationship, I had reached out to him and you know they were looking to bring in a variety of people. So that's really how the door opened to Sirius XM. And then since I've been there, to what you alluded to somewhat, Nick, the channels have grown. They've brought on college channels. I mean, when I first came there, it was NFL. I don't even know. Yeah, I think MLB did exist. Mad Dog. NBA did not exist at that point. They certainly didn't have the various college conferences. I don't even think fantasy sports radio existed. And I don't even know if NASCAR existed at that point. So since I've joined there, they've added tons of other channels. Yeah, so it's just crazy. And uh I don't know if you ever crossed paths with him, but we had uh, Keith Irizarry on the show. Yeah, he did, he did updates there as well. So, you know, everybody we talked to has just awesome words to say about the, the place. And any, uh, you know, if you're going to be doing any uh, 2021 Olympics coverage at all with uh, Sirius XM? I, I don't know what 2021 presents in terms of the Olympics from Sirius XM standpoint, but I do know 
you know, normally they take a lot of Westwood One's coverage. Right. So assuming that the Olympics will be operational in 2021, I certainly hope to be involved from that standpoint. Yeah, I think that's hopefully the goal. Hopefully we see the Olympics. I think that's what I'm looking forward to. Now, one question I wanted to ask you because, uh, you know, we don't get, you, don't, you don't really see it too often where, I mean, basically you're doing five jobs at a time and they could all be within the same time period. How do you, I guess, go to your bosses and, you know, like manage your schedule? Like, how do you, like, obviously they know Sundays you're unavailable, you're doing Giants, but how do you work that out with like Westwood or Mad Dog that's like, oh, I got to do a, a Columbia basketball game tonight and I can't work here, or I'm doing this serious shift, so I can't do the play by play in Westwood One? How do you work that out? And is everybody really understanding, I guess, the programming directors? Yeah, everybody has been very understanding and cooperative. So I am certainly thankful for that. I mean, like anything else, it really comes down to the beauty of sports is more often than not, things are well laid out and planned months before. So, you know, it's not as if you're walking into the week of and you're like, oh boy, we've got to make changes. So, you know, as long as there's enough leeway to lay out to people, okay, hey, these weekends, this day, I'm going to be tied up with this or you know, if you give Columbia a heads up, there's a conflict with the Giants so that they could plan accordingly. At least it gives me some flexibility from that standpoint because the schedules are put out so much in advance. I mean, for example, we usually know the Giants schedule. It comes out normally late April, early right. May. So, you know, you know to give people an advance notice of what's going to happen in September. And the Columbia schedule normally comes out middle of the summer. So basketball starts November, football starts September. And, you know, fortunately, especially from the weekend standpoint, I've been doing morning shows on Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio. So that gives me, just by the structure, the opportunity to double up. So, you know, I'll get done with my show at 11 a.m. And then I can go to do a play-by-play event or I can do something with the Giants. I mean, the layout of the land from that standpoint gives you some flexibility. The other beauty is the technology. And, you know, we were talking about the TriCaster earlier. I have, and I invested in my own unit, which is something portable that I could take if I'm on the road doing a play-by-play broadcast. As long as there's reliable internet, I could still host a serious show remotely. So wow. that, Nick, to answer your question, also doesn't overwhelm me from a scheduling standpoint if you don't then have to miss anything, even though you're not in the studio or you're not in New York City. The technology has done wonders for this industry. And that also has been a huge luxury to at least be able to turn to. Yeah, absolutely. So what I also wanted to ask you is you have ample experience doing live play-by-play. You host your own show, right? Uh, you host the show, the show on Sirius. So take us through how you prepare for each uh, because they're both different, very, very different animals uh, to tackle. One, I would assume obviously you're, digging into stats you're digging into you know, player info player updates the other one you're on top of what's going on during the day uh, i'm sure you're you're talking with other producers there definitely two different animals uh, most i think with the way the sports industry is now today there's definitely some overlap when it comes to talent you know if you could do one thing uh, chances are you'll probably be able to at least transition and be able to do another thing so just for our listeners Tell us how the the preparation for each is very, very different. Yeah, it's a great point, Joe. I would say sports talk, when you're doing a show, to me at least, the way that I approach it is I'm not really cramming the day of. I look at it as everything I do is preparing for the show. Reading an article about a major story is preparing for a show because you're absorbing information that you may wind up talking about or analyzing. Watching a movie or keeping up with entertainment news could be preparing for a sports talk show because sometimes I'm not going to necessarily focus on sports. I may talk about something connected to sports, but is related to pop culture. So I guess the way that I prepare for a sports talk show is literally everything I do because anything that I'm interacting with on a given day when I'm preparing for the Giants or I'm studying up on an opponent, that can help me with an NFL radio show. We may be doing a segment on the Cleveland Browns, right? So just because they're playing the Giants doesn't mean that it may not be helpful on a Mad Dog show or an NFL show. So it's a matter of staying on top of the latest headlines, glancing at some of the sports websites. Obviously, you live and die on social media because you're always looking to see whether there's breaking news. 
and taking notes. I'll give you an example. I do a segment on my Sunday Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports radio show. It's called Thoughts and Prayers. It's not meant to be taken seriously. I make fun of the phrase thoughts and prayers, okay? Because you know how everybody throws that out every time you feel thoughts and prayers. So I get sort of tired of hearing the phrase. So I figured, how can I incorporate that into my show? So I poke the bear at fans when, you know, they lose a heartbreaking game or a player complains about something. I'll put that in my thoughts and prayers segment. So there may be something that comes up on a Tuesday that I may want to use in that segment on Sunday. So I'll jot it down. Oh, I came across this article. Hey, this is something I want to keep in mind. And, you know, you're taking notes every single day. You're accumulating things. To me, it's an ongoing process. That's how I look at preparing for a sports talk show. As far as play-by-play, 100%, Joe, it's a completely different animal, completely different beast. Similar in terms of you're not doing everything in one day. I put it to the equivalency of studying for a test. When I was in school, you know, I wasn't a cram guy where, you know, the night of you're going to try to digest everything. Little by little, you'd go over your notes. Little by little, you read the pages in the textbook that are important. Play by play is the same thing. Monday, I may prepare my chart for one team. Tuesday, I'm going to prepare my chart for another team. Wednesday, I'm going to read the game notes. And then Thursday may be the game. I'm going to do it little by little so that it's like studying for a test. And I'm absorbing things. And the way that I work off of play-by-play is I have a computerized sheet. So I'm typing it up. And while I'm typing it up and putting stats and notes, that's a way that I learn it. That's the way that I absorb it. I know not to poo-poo on anything, but I know that there's some companies where, you know, you could subscribe to. They'll fill out your sheets for you. You know, they'll give you everything. I don't like that because the process of preparing my play-by-play sheets is the process of learning and preparing for the game so that it becomes second nature. Because when you're calling a radio game play-by-play, you don't have the time to look down at your sheet every five seconds. By the time I look down at my sheet, they could have passed the ball three times and then I miss a bucket. TV's a little bit different. You have a little bit more leeway to maybe look down, glance at a note. When you're calling the game on the radio, it goes so quickly, you can't do that. So you have to make sure you're memorizing and studying like a test. So I would say very detailed oriented compared to a sports talk show, because also when I'm doing a sports talk show and I apologize for giving you the long winded answer, you can tell. This is all valuable information. This is really, really important. And I was going to ask you about how your process is when it comes to note taking. Do you keep notebooks? Do you keep sheets or anything? Uh, Do you use your own? Do you use the company sheets? You know, because everybody uses different, uh, there's a different methodology to doing all these different things, but you're answering everything perfectly. I really, really sincerely think this is very valuable to anybody who's listening to this. No, and I'm glad to hear that. As far as to answer your last question, I'm very unique. I, once again, I'm a computer guy. I I don't like writing things out. I like sitting at the computer. So everything is computerized. I'll type out my notes. And the beauty is when I'm doing a show, I could have my laptop in front of me. Like I'm talking to you guys right now. So I don't have to print out 75 papers. I could just have my screens. And I could, you know, have them laid out. So everything is computerized based. Of course, I'm going to print out my sheets when I do a play-by-play game because I'm not going to utilize my computer, God forbid, the technology breaks down. So that I'll print out, but everything's computerized for me. I, I know some people use, you know, manila folders and they like to write on that. I'm, everything is computerized and printed out and I operate uh, off of the technology in the computer. That's what I do. So I create my own sheets, essentially, as opposed to utilizing, Joe, somebody else's format. Yeah, I think that, especially when you're doing college sports, it's, it's got to be a lot more preparation and you got to really dig deep. So it's much better to, to put things out on your own there. Now, you mentioned you know, the radio shows and you got to how to prepare for those. Has there ever been an instance where you're doing a radio show or you're doing, you know, one of the interactive Giants call-in shows that a caller has just thrown you off your feet like you don't know what they're talking about? And how do you, how do you handle some crazy callers? Because I'm sure in all of your years on radio, you've, you've had experience some. Oh, 100%. I mean, there's always crazy callers, Nick. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Normally, to answer your question, I've got my hand right next to the clicker on drop, okay? That would be my response, <laughs> okay? That's the way that I handle a crazy caller or a nut caller. Because yes, there's always characters in terms of sports talk radio. What I usually try to do is a caller, this is just my philosophy, a caller should never dictate your show, okay? You're the one steering the ship. 
Now, that doesn't mean that the callers are not going to contribute anything and that the callers may add something. And I always love it when a caller, and, and I love this, when a caller maybe brings an angle up that you either didn't get to yet or you weren't thinking of, and then something pops into your mind, and you're like, oh, well, now I can take the conversation to a completely different area. So they're valuable from that standpoint. But to your point, Nick, when they jump off the deep end or they bring up something that is just completely unrelated or is just crazy and out there and they're living on Pluto, I always turn to humor, okay? And I just try to turn it into something comical, something that maybe would entertain the audience from that standpoint and play off of that to then get us back on track. And part of the comedy may be, of course, dropping them in the process. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I've got a quick trigger. You got to know that if you tune into my shows. But I, I always feel as if a, when you give the caller the power to dictate your show, that's when you get into trouble. So I think you've got to trust your game plan, what you went into a show, what you want to talk about. And like anything else, you've got to be able to ad lib and you got to be able to adjust and, you know, look at the situation, assess the situation and react accordingly. So humor, I think, is a very strong weapon for the lack of a better phrase, or there's nothing wrong with dismissing it and then moving back on. Because once again, I, I don't think callers should dictate the content of your show. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, you never know when a sour shoes is going to call in, start giving you impersonations. And and I love what he does. So, yeah. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, sour shoes to me, I wouldn't put in that category, Joe, because I mean, he's entertaining. And, and I think you know where he's coming from. You know, it's funny. It's funny you brought him up because he's called into the Giants postgame show oh, before. But as just a normal guy, you know, yeah. not sour shoes, just, hey, wants to talk about Giants, which, which I love, which is great. So, you know, you never know what you're going to get. But I'm talking about people that I guess the way that I interpreted your question, Nick, was somebody who may call into a show with an agenda. Yes. OK, yeah. meaning that, OK, they want to poke at you. They want yeah. to disturb the flow. You always need to be prepared for that. that. That's, I guess, how I interpreted your question. So my response was more geared towards that. No, absolutely. Yeah. Spot on. Absolutely. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I think there was a lot of valuable information here. Uh, and like you, you have thoughts and prayers. Uh, Nick and I, we haven't named the end of the segment yet, uh, but we always give our guests the last word, right? So uh, once again, Lance, thank you for coming on and doing, with us, uh, doing this with us. We had a lot of fun. We hope to have you on again very, very, very soon in the future. Uh, hope you and your family stay safe. Obviously, there's a huge uh, semi-blizzard going on uh, right outside our windows. Big time snowstorm. <laughs> There's a pandemic going on outside. So uh, we hope you guys stay safe. Uh, very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. If there's anything you want to share, if there's anything you want to promote, the floor is your, all yours. Go right ahead. Thank you once again for doing us. We really, really appreciate it. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the program. I mean, this was really nice. It was a change of pace to be able to reminisce and look back on my career and also talk about the industry as a whole. So I want to thank the two of you for allowing me to come on to this platform really enjoyed the conversation. I echo all of the sentiments that you laid out, Joe. I hope your families are safe and healthy, and I hope you survive this blizzard as well. It was nice to get, I guess, our attention off of what's going on outside our windows and being able to focus on sports on the big picture perspective. As far as promotion, you know, I'm not a big promotional guy. If people want to follow and interact with me on Twitter, I, I certainly welcome that. I'm at Lance Meadow. Last name is, of course, M-E-D-O-W. There's no A in the last name. I make sure to emphasize that because people just love to butcher the last name and make the assumption that there's an A in my last name. And other than that, I'd be more than happy to come on anytime you guys want me again. So feel free to reach out. More than happy to do it. Lance, I really appreciate it. And I hope in 2021, when I get to the Giants game, I see you. I can wave to you. I'll see you in person. Uh, you and you and Jeff taking care of business on the pregame show. Love walking in, seeing you guys right there. The, the fans always enjoy that, right? That fake little field out there. It's, it's always, <laughs> it's always a tradition to come into the game. So looking forward to hopefully doing that in 2021. Absolutely. Don't hesitate. Feel free to come on over. I love talking with fans uh, in between commercial breaks. So uh, you, the listeners, if any of them are Giants fans, you come to a Giants game. Don't uh, be shy. Come over to the stage. Be more than happy to chat. So uh, I'm glad to hear, Nick, that you've at least visually seen us. Hopefully we'll be able to visually see each other in person at a sporting event in the near future. 
We'll see. We can only hope, but we really appreciate it, Lance. Great, some great advice for, for us and for all of our listeners as well. Thanks for taking a, a trip down memory lane with us and, of course, sharing your thoughts on some institutions in Brooklyn when it comes to food. Had a, got a, got a, if we got a Brooklyn guy on, we got to talk about, about the food. So thank you for that. But that's going to do it here for this episode. So for our very special guest, Lance Meadow, there's Make sure, make sure you're not spelling his last name wrong if you're going to follow him on Twitter. It's Lance Meadow, M-E-D-O-W. That's it right there. Follow him on Twitter. And for my co-host, Joe Calabrese, this has been You Know I'm Right. Geico presents Monster Counseling. Dracula, tell me how you're feeling. No one understands how lonely it is. No one will even let me into their house. I knock and I knock, but they ignore me. Uh Uh-huh. What else? I look in the mirror and... (laughs) I don't even see myself anymore. If you don't see yourself clearly, can you really expect others to? I'm having a breakthrough. It's not easy to be a vampire. But with GEICO, it's super easy to switch and save hundreds on your car insurance.